0: the Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them a parable, this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine and open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it and when he has found it he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing and when he comes home he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them rejoice with me for i have found my sheep that was lost just so i tell you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people persons who need no repentance or what woman Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house, and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord. (laughs) In the name of Jesus, amen. Grumbling. Yes, grumbling and rejoicing. Grumbling, murmuring, and rejoicing and praise. It's interesting, is it not, how the same event can create two different reactions in people? Grumbling in some, rejoicing in others. For example, the same event can create both, again, grumbling and rejoicing at the very same time in two groups of people, two different groups of people. That's right, the same situation can cause people to loathe and complain, while other people will rejoice and cheer. Perhaps the popular phrase says it best, a glass-filled halfway is half-empty for some and half-full for others. But why the divide? Why the divide from our reading in the Gospel of Luke this morning? Why the divide? What did the Pharisees and the scribes, that day? Why did they rumble so much? Well, at the same time, the angels in heaven rejoiced. How could the angels have such joy, such glorious joy in heaven, and the religious leaders have so much animosity on earth when sinners listened to Jesus and dined with him, I might add? Well, it's quite simple. The way of God is idiotic, Yes, it's idiotic to the unwise world. Or we can say it this way, the way of the righteous is foolishness to the wicked. You see, wickedness loves darkness and cannot comprehend the light. And the light, well, it's never absorbed into the darkness, but rather it shines into the darkness. The point being, the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled over sinners repenting because they belonged to quite frankly, to darkness. Their eyes were covered, covered by darkness. They do not have eyes to see or ears to hear. Now, dear friends, it is so very important for us to understand that this world sees things only in one way. The world sees things only in one way, and that is through darkness. And the church, yes, the church, Christ's church, well, the church sees things in a completely different way. The church sees things through the light, because the church, well, the church has been given ears to hear and eyes to see from Christ. And so we should expect that when the world cheers, when the world dances a jig, well, the church more often than not should be mourning, weeping, repenting, crying for mercy. And when the church cheers, when the church rejoices, you've got it. The world will snarl the world will grumble in anger as well. That is the way that it works. Darkness cannot comprehend the light, and the light, well, the light will not celebrate the darkness. There's a divide. Solomon talks about it best, King Solomon. He talks about this best in the book of Proverbs. Over and over in the book of Proverbs, Solomon contrasts the difference between the righteous and the wicked. As a result, he talks about the righteous and the wicked, the wise and the foolish. He talks about them being contrasted, almost as if they're from different planets, completely different planets. For example, take instance of this proverb written in the book of Proverbs. When the justice is done, when justice is done, it brings joy to the righteous, but terror to the evildoer. And so it makes a little more sense now why the Pharisees and the scribes, why they struggled so much with Jesus eating and dining with Jesus sinners they were looking at it from the context of darkness more specifically the pharisees and the scribes they agreed that god would welcome get this they they agreed that god would welcome repentant sinners however they did not believe the idea that god was a seeking god the kind of god that would take the initiative and pursue sinners chase them down in fact there was a jewish saying that most likely dominated their thoughts when it came to the idea of sinners, tax collectors and sinners. The Jewish, Jewish saying stated this, there is joy before God, there is joy before God when those who provoke God perish from the world. Yes, you heard that correctly. There is joy before God when those who provoke God perish from the world. That is to say, The angels in heaven, they dance a jig when the ungodly die. That was the perception. So what's the point? What's the point, though? What does this mean for you and me right here, right now? Dear friends, it is important to be very attentive to this great contrast between the world and the kingdom of God. When the world rejoices, you must be careful not to just go along with the flow, but to stop and listen to what Christ has to say. And when the world, well, when the world stomps its feet, kicks dirt, grumbles, and rants, my friends, do not be too quick to jump on the bandwagon of the world in a temper tantrum, but instead stop and listen to what Christ has to say. More often than not, when the world grumbles, well, the angels, they're rejoicing, and when the Lord mourns, when the Lord has sorrow, well, the world may be most likely celebrating. Indeed, it is important to not jump on the world's bandwagon, if you will, or simply be a lemming, as, you, as they say, a lemming of the world, blindly following the cheers and the grumbling of the masses while not listening to Christ. Secondly, it is important to understand that your old Adam lives in darkness. Remember that you and I, we all in this sanctuary, each and every one of us, we still have this old Adam hanging around our neck. Yes, the old Adam is defeated, no doubt about that. The old Adam is a defeated foe, but we still drag this old Adam around, we still drag this old Adam around our necks in this veil of tears until the last day when we are freed from this damn sinful nature. And so, when we listen to the voice of the old Adam, we may find ourselves on the opposite side of the fence, indeed, on the opposite side of the fence, grumbling when the angels are rejoicing. It's really easy to do this because the old Adam is like, yes, the old Adam is like an entitled and spoiled little child that has flare-ups at the littlest things. The old Adam within us is very loud, likes attention, and is easily offended When the old Adam sees the light, well, the old Adam recoils in horror, grumbles with a devilish sneer, and kicks dirt just like the world does. The old Adam wants to sabotage the joyous singing of the angels because the old Adam, well, the old Adam does not like the light but loves darkness itself. Thirdly, it is important to understand that your old Adam will refuse to confess sin but will want to celebrate darkness just like the world does. And so when we listen to the voice of the old Adam, the old Adam will take that which is good and call it evil. And that which is evil, well, the old Adam will call it good. When bad things happen, know that your old Adam will do everything possible to not call evil what it is, evil. But instead, your old Adam, and my old Adam as well, will steal the glorious singing of the angels and slap that right on top of evil, trying to make everything into good. I'm not talking about the Eighth Commandment, though. The Eighth Commandment, which tells us and calls us to put the best construction on things. That's not what we're talking about here. No, what I'm talking about is how the old Adam itself seeks to hide sin, bury scandals, and speaks of the most horrible kind of sins as if they're the most wonderful deeds that the world has ever known. I'm talking about how the old Adam has this tendency to cover the sly hisses of the devil with the glorious singing of the angels. Now, this is heavy stuff. No doubt about it. It's heavy because it is true. And because it is true, you and I must repent. We must repent. Repent of the times that we listen to the world and the times that we give ear to that old Adam hanging around our necks Neither the world nor the old Adam are able to call out sin for what it is. The world and the old Adam cannot see the light for what it is. We must repent of making bad into good and good into bad. We must repent of are times of our grumbling, times when we grumble, when the angels are simultaneously singing. And we must repent of celebrating when the Lord is sorrowful. We must repent of not listening to Jesus. Now, it might be easy to think that when we admit all of this before Christ, yes, that we all too often listen to the world and the old Adam, that this submission itself would be a reason for the Lord's disapproval and perhaps anger towards us. You would think that our acknowledgement of this, our not listening to Christ, but listening to the world and listening to our old Adam, would result in the Lord saying in back and return to us, well, you know what? It's about time. When are you going to learn, dear foolish Christian? When are you going to learn to listen to me? But instead, get this. When we repent of our sins, heaven thunders with joy. Get that. When we repent of our sins, heaven thunders with joy. When we repent of our sins, the angels boom with praise. When we repent of our sins, when we acknowledge all the times that we have unfaithfully listened to our old Adam and the world, when we've been grumbling, when we should be rejoicing, and when we rejoice, when we should be full of sorrow, when that happens, well, the Lord does not have a face of anger or disgust, but a face of joy and happiness because you are his son and daughter and have come home yet again. When we repent, we are returned right back to where we're supposed to be in the Lord's love and care and forgiveness, his cleansing forgiveness of sins for us, where we can hear all good things from him over and over and over again. Unlike the world, your Jesus, he welcomes sinners and he dines with them. He welcomes the sinner because it is indeed the sinner he seeks after. Never forget this. He wants you tucked into your baptisms where you belong. And so every time that you repent, well, your Lord, he forgives you with joy and he gladly tucks you into your baptisms yet again and again and again so that you may, what, listen to him and not listen to the world and not listen especially to that old Adam. And for the times when you and I get squirrely, And try to kick off the covers of our baptism well know this the lord will seek after you he will seek after you and me he will pursue you like a shepherd seeking a lost sheep he will search for you like a woman searching for a lost coin he will run for you like a father running to an estranged son he will always seek you he will always find you he will always return you to your baptism so that you might listen to him And as you repent daily and as you are returned to your baptisms to listen to Jesus, know this, the angels, they never tire, tire of giving praise and shouting joy. For this is how it is with the kingdom of God. No grumbling, no anger and complaining, but joy and praise over sinners who repent and listen to Jesus. In the name of Jesus.